it's nice to have the camera thingy so then you can monitor them without needing to be like staring them down 24 7 and it also like i don't know if someone were to go mess with your baby you'd see it part of the fun in having memories is that you can alter them afterwards <laughs> for good or for bad like if you have a good memory you know it, it might become even better than it was actually or if you have a bad memory it could be even worse but you know that's the price you pay so the baby can't say no right the baby has no mechanism here but on the other hand you can just be taking pictures or videos to see later and enjoy later for posterity you know like for the kid to see when they grow up welcome back to coming in without context i am dylan yang and with me today is jessica hi uh we've also got hope who's wandered off somewhere who knows when she'll come back so, Jessica, uh, how this works is that we are going to discuss something for like 10 to 15 minutes and mm-hmm. then Hope will come back not knowing what the topic is. We're not trying to necessarily keep it a secret from her, but you shouldn't tell her what we've spoken about, I guess. Okay. My topic is, is surveillance for the public good? So I was inspired to have this idea from an insider article titled Seoul is using AI to detect people who might be intending to jump to their deaths off the Han River's bridge. So this was posted December of last year, 2021. And basically what they're doing is that they have this AI which monitors all the cameras throughout the various bridges they have. They have like 18 bridges across the river. And Whenever the AI detects a person who seems really hesitant or they're just wandering around the bridge kind of like aimlessly, it'll send out an alert to rescue teams who will try and stop that person because they suspect it might be like an attempted suicide because these bridges are well known for suicide attempts. Mm -hmm. So normally there are 572 CCTV cameras and a person would have to manually you know, watch all of these cameras. But with this AI, they're hoping that the response time to suicide attempts will be a lot faster. And this AI is in addition to other preventative measures, including, you know, obviously like really high fences that block access to jumping off and also pressure sensors. So if you grip the railing too hard, that'll Mm -hmm. also trigger an alarm for the security team to, to react. So... That was my inspiration. I guess, first off, what do you think about this story and about like how AI is being used in this situation? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I like the practice, obviously, of let's stop people from committing suicide. But I think it can get pretty tricky just with like, where do you draw the line, you know? Yeah. There's this one application, obviously, which can be used for good. But then I think you also need to be really mindful of once you are watching people, what else can you then watch for and then like survey for and then police? Um, So I feel like it is sort of like a slippery slope as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so I guess like that's kind of the core behind why I wanted to ask this question because, you know, surveillance is definitely an increasing issue in modern society Because, you know, there's just so many recording devices now everywhere in your home, (laughs) in public, that you're not even necessarily consenting to being recorded. And so I guess that leads to my next question. So a lot of stores, right, like grocery stores, clothing stores, 
they have their own private security cameras, right? And obviously that's for if something happens, um, if there's a break-in or if there's just a dispute, you know, they have evidence that can, you know, protect the store. But for the patrons, when they're walking in, you never sign anything to consent to being recorded. So how does this work when you're also just going about your day in public? Like, do you automatically waive your rights to being recorded by anyone? In a way, I feel like you do. And this also goes like not even just you in public, but also your online internet activity, like social media accounts. I feel like part of having a social media account is like going to be accepting that you are being watched or being tracked or like you are essentially the product, you know? Uh I feel like on the online case, I definitely see more of a yes, just by having these things, you are like accepting that your videos or whatever you post will be online and that people can use that. But I think it it's not as clear to me in person, but I feel like, I guess the same is also true by, by proxy. Because it's like, what can you do to stop people, you know? Right. Well, that's probably the, the principal argument behind adding more surveillance, right? Like it's a preventative, but also... You know, like a, a necessary evil type situation. Yeah, yeah. Like I, the, the the argument would be that, you know, if crime is going to happen, we should record it so we have the evidence to either punish the individuals who committed it or just have the the full story. You know, like another thought I had is that you know before mass recording, mm-hmm. a lot of cases would just go off people's word. You know, like. It's just one person's word against another. And so then who do you, who can you trust? You know, it it ends up being like a a circus almost a lot of the time in like medieval courts, if there was like accusations. Um, I watched a movie recently called The Last Duel, starring Adam Driver and Matt Damon. Uh, And then it was written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and then another woman. And it was, inspired by a book about French trials where women would have to bring accusations of rape before a royal court. But since usually these crimes would only occur like just the the accuser and the perpetrator, they, they, they wouldn't know who to trust. So they'd have the husband and then the perpetrator just duel it out and whoever won the duel would be the innocent one and the other guy would just die. So like, I guess that's our alternative if we don't want to use surveillance. Okay. Yeah. No, I definitely get what you're talking about. Like if they were the only people there, then obviously it's really hard to just pick one person over another. And I feel like you also definitely see this in like cases today as well. But let's say like what, I think the alternative to just everyone recording everything everywhere is like, you know, the panopticon. Yeah. yeah. Like, because you don't know if you're being watched, you like are always operating under the assumption that someone's watching. So you're the one like doing good behavior. It just becomes like very dystopian, very fast, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's not 
at all reasonable to have everything recorded. And this also goes into like a, I guess then you can't tell who is absolutely right at all times. But then I feel like at least for other memories, one thing that I was asked a while ago by someone else was like, if you could record all of your memories, would you? Mm. Right. Like, let's say you just had something that recorded everything you were seeing all, all the time. Would you want that? And I feel like my answer would at least be no, just because the preciousness of having moments and living the moment is the fact that, you know, you can't relive it. Mm, yeah. I also think, well, personally for me, that part of the fun in having memories is that you can alter them afterwards. Really? <laughs> for good or for bad. Well, I don't agree yeah. with that. Because, <laughs> like, if you remember like your core memories of like when you're a kid they're not going to be entirely accurate right like obviously oh, sure. they're going to be yeah. biased over years so I think that's pretty funny so like if you have and it goes both ways like if you have a good memory you know it, it might become even better than it was actually or if you have a bad memory it could be even worse but you know that's the price you pay yeah no well going back to you mentioned the panopticon and how this idea that people should behave as if they're being watched, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like the problem with discussing this type of topic is that, you know, there's like, you have to separate it. Well, it's impossible to separate like the practical outcomes, good or bad, versus the, the theory, you know, like the theoretical, oh, how this should work, you know? Because like okay. people are never going to act in predictable ways. And part of the issue is that surveillance is supposed to mitigate the trust factor in society i suppose so uh -huh. like instead of just uh, like like we were saying earlier instead of just trusting someone's word and taking taking their word for for whatever it's worth you have this actual recorded evidence and that trumps their their word you know like it it's more reliable in certain ways but then at the same time like you were saying it's not practical to record everything everywhere all at once, right? And then, at, and then even beyond that, if you did do that, it'd be impossible for any one person to like look at it all and monitor everything, you know? Mm -hmm. So then going off of that, do you think there's like a middle ground for how much surveillance we should have in our society both in public and private life um i mean at least going back to let's start with like the online example i think the some sort of middle ground is that you can to some extent opt out of things like hmm. let's say i was not okay with facebook seeing all my posts and whatever like all these things about me i could just not create an account um so something like that but i think it's harder when you get into the physical because if you are out about doing your day-to-day -day activities and there are cameras everywhere, it's a lot harder to have like an opt-out sort of thing because yeah. you can't really just stop living your life, you know? So I guess if there were some way to have that where people could decide to what extent they would like to be monitored, like let's say maybe, you know how you can put a dashboard cam on your car? Yeah. Like same sort of thing. Let's say maybe you could do this thing so that you could have any proof if anything ever happened to you and you could have this account that was not just your word. Um, but if that was like a 
something, a risk you're willing to accept that maybe there wouldn't be this video ev- evidence of every second of your life. Maybe you mm-hmm. could do that, like keep it up to the person. But I feel like that's different than having CCTV cameras everywhere, just watching people. Right. I think the opting out aspect of it is very intriguing because that in itself is kind of a slippery slope. Like you could technically argue that you could become a hermit in like the wilderness. Right. And like completely shut off. But then that's not like you were saying, that's not practical and you're not living your own life anymore. Like you're being forced to live a completely different life, kind of shifting the topic around that. So as you mentioned, uh, a lot of companies look at your internet uh, data, right? And so they take all of that and then they target ads towards you, right? Whenever you're online, whether it's scrolling through social media or just wherever you are, there was the scare that a lot of the home devices like Google Home or Amazon Alexa were listening to words you would say and then recommending ads based on that. So how do you feel that these companies are taking your data right for free without paying you like is there any amount of compensation that you would accept in order to to sell your data to them that is interesting because i did my previous company i was at somewhere that like an online retailer and what they were talking about is like the next wave of advert of like selling things is just these very targeted ads. And like, let's say on the homepage, showing people just things that they would be interested in rather than all these things that they need to filter through. So I guess that might be coming more our way in the future. But I I think there's the balance between like convenience and just people knowing things about you. Because if everything is targeted, if let's say the online universe knows what you want, then the things you see are going to be more relevant and you need to sort through less of it. But at least coming from my standpoint, um, like I would rather not, I would rather sort through all of it myself um, and sort of find the things that I would like rather than have some algorithm decide that for me. But I mean, since that's already happening right now, like, I mean, compensation would be nice given that that is the current state of the world. <laughs> yeah, at least you can get paid for it. Yeah. Hope, would you sell your data? I would probably opt out if given the option to like either have my data be used and get paid or not have it used and get not get paid. But again, like they're already using it. So if I could get compensated for what they've already started using, that would be kind of nice. Um, I think most people have given the option would not sell their data, but they're not really given an option. I mean, there are those cookie pop-ups now that offer you to opt out of things, even though they're very deceptive. Honestly, I might sell my data, but I think the problem is, um, like you were saying, Jessica, the want to like search through everything yourself to look for the best or most accurate like result to what you you want right that doesn't happen right now with how targeted ads are because it's all very biased um and even like the google search engine itself they promote like the top three links of your search result 
they're all you you the those companies pay for those those pl- those placement spots right because no one ever goes past the first page or even past like the top five links you know mm-hmm. so similarly whenever you go onto amazon or you go onto a shop uh, a shopping website or like an, uh, a shopping aggregator online shopping aggregator they will promote very specific products to you that aren't necessarily the best or most well-reviewed but just what they are incentivized to promote to you so like that kind of ruins it so like i guess in an ideal world i would be willing to sell my own data for personalized advertisements if they were both relevant uh trustworthy and quality in terms of the product okay right but i think it goes past like have you watched the documentary the social dilemma which this reminds me a lot about it's essentially talking about a lot of this and let's say your data is used for personalized ads like sure cool but then it becomes like when your google search results are different um when what comes up on youtube it's different it's like people are living separate realities you know Mm. And it's like technology and algorithms about you are creating rabbit holes and realities for every person. And I think that's where it gets like not as okay for me. Mm, Very true. Uh, Returning to AI. So we briefly touched upon this like dystopias and and such. Um, I guess the most famous example of like a surveillance state, like a fictional one would be 1984, right? Mm -hmm. But there are several movies and and many other books that kind of cover similar issues. Do you think that in the future, AI, uh, like the one used on the bridge, could be used to predict potential crimes before they happen or or like, I guess, more beneficially, like health outbreaks, like like use them for contact tracing, which I think uh, they probably have been used in that way, like at least experimented but um you know in the future it might be more prevalent Uh, do you feel like that could be a potential possibility yeah i mean i don't see why not but i think just something to keep in mind is like i guess one of the issues with predictive policing now is it's sort of if you're giving ai and these algorithms skewed data then they're going to give you skewed results you know it's not like a this magic thing that will be able to correctly predict things if you are not careful about the information that you feed it. And so yeah. I think one of the current issues is like, obviously the, the places where there have been the most police, probably in like lower income, not as white neighborhoods, um, there are gonna be more crimes reported there. And then as you send like more police, and then they're like obviously more crimes reported there and it's just sort of this vicious cycle, you know? Um, so I think that's definitely something that you need to keep in mind, like data and everything can be skewed and that is only going to be baked into whatever algorithms are taking that data in. Yeah. Hope, do you want to add anything? I think they've already sort of like tested the water with the predictive policing and it just, it came up with what everyone knew it was going to come up with is that oh, these crimes are going to happen in low-income areas. And so it's it's not actually like, you can't really predict a crime is going to happen unless you're relying on data. And again, like that data is always going to be 
skewed one way. But do you guys think there's any possible avenue for like making not not necessarily a perfectly unbiased system, but at least to create an AI that can accurately predict crimes before they happen without any racial or other bias? The best way to prevent crime is just to like help people not need to rely on crime. I feel like it's not so much like trying to predict when it's going to happen because like how can you police someone who hasn't done anything wrong? There need to be like social systems in place that try and prevent crime rather than like focusing on trying to find AI that's going to prevent crime because it's just it's never going to be unbiased because there's someone making it and that person making it has their own biases. And so you can't make a system that's completely unbiased. And so it's always going to like be that way. I mean, I think in theory, yes, I think this thing does exist. But I think like Hope said, I agree. In practice, I don't know if it is achievable. Well, then switching to a smaller scale, and this might be uh, the last discussion point I have. So imagine you're a parent. Okay, and you have a baby. Do you use a baby camera? Yes. I mean, who doesn't these days? Could you guys explain like your thought process behind using this baby camera? You can't really be in the room with the baby 24-7. You probably wouldn't want to. So if they're sleeping and you want to like take a shower or even just like watch tv it's nice to have the camera thingy so then you can monitor them without needing to be like staring them down 24 7 and it also like i don't know if someone were to go mess with your baby you'd see it i see where you're going with this but in from my point of view so the baby can't say no right the baby has no <laughs> mechanism here okay um, and let's say with, let's say families who vlog, right? Vlog their babies. Great. Put it on. But I think that the line comes once the kid can be like, no, I do not want to be in these, you know, but the baby is not at that point yet. And here, I feel like we have a more objective. This is in the best interests of the baby. The parent knows best type situation that I don't feel like maybe applies to maybe other like camera situations, but I think in this one, it is just the parent trying to look out for the baby. I feel like you're walking a very dangerous line again. Jessica. <laughs> uh, Hope, do you have any thoughts on what Jessica just said? Well, like, obviously you're like, oh, you can't record them without their permission or whatever, but you're not like posting the recordings of the baby, you're just using it for their safety. But she did just mention vlog families who... <laughs> sort of exploit their children okay, for views. That's a different situation from, from using a baby camera. <laughs> well, I guess I, I'm, I'm curious then, like, you said that at the age that they're able to say, no, I don't want to be in a video is when, like, they have that, like, opt-in, opt-out consent um. thing. <laughs> <laughs> what age exactly is that? Because I feel like, you know, kids can learn how to speak at a certain age, but then also your cognition and reasoning ability doesn't really mature until like late 20s even for men 
you know? Well, that just has to do with privacy, and different parents have different regards to how private their children are allowed to be anyway, so I feel like that's entering an entirely different debate, because, like, some people won't even let their kids have, like, doors for their rooms, and then other people, like, let their children lock their doors and, like, have their own possessions and, like, have privacy. And so, like, I think the camera recording thing, there are people who definitely record their children above the age where the children want to be recorded. And then that's just, like, that's breaching into, like, what's the privacy? How do parents regard their own children's privacy, ultimately? But I think that extends beyond just, like, a camera. Anything to add, Jessica? I, I also think it's, like, what you said, Dylan, that it depends on what these things are going to be used for. Because on one hand, you can record to post online for like your vlogging channel. But on the other hand, you can just be taking pictures or videos to see later and enjoy later for posterity, you know, like for the kid to see when they grow up. And I think you also need to take that into account too. I think we had some uh, great ideas on the podcast today. So I'm gonna end it with one very last question to you two. It's gonna be a yes or no. Um, so here's the context I saw on social media, uh, I think earlier today, maybe yesterday, um, it was a short video of a random guy taking professional photographs of random people in the streets. And the caption was, anyone can be a supermodel. Um, and like, they, they were really nice pictures, you know, like it, but they, they were high quality um, they weren't s making silly faces or anything like that. But also, he was just taking pictures of random people without asking them first. Uh, I'm sure that he asked after taking the photos. But final question, would you be fine with a random stranger taking photos of you in public? Okay. Um, I'm going to have a slight caveat. Yes, if they then came up and told me and asked me after, and if I was not okay, they would delete the pictures. Hope? Uh, basically the same answer. Um, though I would prefer if they asked me first before they took the picture. Mm. Yeah, I, I thought it was uh, a bit odd, a little bit, you know, a little bit strange kind of getting in there, but, uh, I, the internet seemed to, to enjoy the concept. Well, anyway, that's all for this episode of Coming In Without Context. Uh, Hope, do you have any guesses to what the topic was? Was it about internet privacy? It did diverge into that, but my original topic was, is surveillance for the public good? Uh, Jessica, I think I picked a very solid guess for this topic, <laughs> considering we went into AI quite a bit. All right, any last thoughts from either of you? You know, you guys can like just say no, like I have a verbal response. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week.